Hey everybody, it's Glenn Thrush with Politico's Off Message Podcast. Uh, I was in Phoenix, Arizona uh, last week talking to Joe Arpaio, the uh, sheriff down there, you know, the guy who puts pink underwear on inmates, uh, and a smooch on the cheek of Donald Trump. And I had two encounters. I, I came in the night before, and I went to a ball game at uh, Chase Field. I'd recommend that to anybody, even though I couldn't give a damn about the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers. Um, and I had an encounter with two people that I want to tell you about that I think really kind of encapsulates a little bit of the mood of the country, just like a little snapshot. And it really happened within like 20 minutes of each other. The guy I was sitting next to at the ball game, big, huge uh, Mexican-American dude from Compton uh, in L.A., comes in and he's in a really surly mood. I kind of look at his face. He sits down next to me. Uh, and then I look down and he's got this little five month old baby <laughs> strapped to his chest. So I start smiling and that kind of changed the nature of the interaction. Anyway, we get talking and I ask him why he's at the ball game, And he says, I'm celebrating getting my bachelor's degree. And I said, wow, that's really cool. And he said, no, I mean, I don't think you understand how important it is. I went to Compton High School, and uh, I don't know a single one of my friends who got a bachelor's degree, and it took me six years to do it. Um, and then we got to talking. He was in the Army for a long time. He'd done construction. And he starts just talking to me about what it's like working these construction sites. And he said, and pardon my language, guys, he said that a lot of his buddies, his white buddies on this construction st uh, site, call him a beaner as a joke and a spick as a joke and mechs as a joke. And he just kind of, uh, he has to take it more or less. And I said, why do you have to take it? He said, well, you know, when I was in the uh, army, I would kick everyone's ass if they would say something like that to me. And then he looks down at his kid, his kid, and he says, well, that's why I have to take it. Um, I leave the ball game. Uh, I want to walk back to my hotel and I see a couple of uh, pedicabs down by the, the, the stadium. Uh, and I pick the first one and I start uh, riding. I'm talking to the guy. I'm saying, where are you from? And he says, I'm from Boston originally. I brought my parents down here. They got older. I work several jobs. I've got uh, a couple of kids. My father just got diagnosed with cancer. He doesn't have any health insurance. I consider myself a pretty liberal guy. He asked me what I, what I did. I said, hey, I cover politics. And he said, I'm really confused about Donald Trump. And I said, uh, join the club, dude. Me too. And he said, I voted for Barack Obama twice. But I got to tell you, man, and it's nothing against you. I just get the feeling that they're not going to let him in, that they're conspiring to keep this guy out. And I was like, who are you talking about? And he said, that by they, I mean uh, everybody in Washington, that Washington wants to keep Donald Trump out. And, you know, I don't really believe anything that he talks about. I'm not really necessarily into the wall or any of that stuff. I don't like the way he talks. But I might just vote for him because they want to keep him out. And I just thought that was like a, a fascinating, uh, we used to call them popcorn polls. Uh, back when I was first uh, working for tabloids, where you'd kind of go out to the movie theater and see how much popcorn they were selling to determine whether or not movies were doing okay. Um, but that gave me a real uh, insight. And it's a good lead into my interview with Joe Arpaio, who's probably among the most polarizing politicians in America. We happen to be there, uh, Bridget and I, my producer, on a uh, kind of an insane day. Uh, it was Donald Trump's birthday. Um, and as we walk in, Joe Arpaio, this, you know, the scourge of uh, undocumented immigrants on the border, is holding a bowl of peanuts and saying, here, have a peanut. It's my birthday. <laughs> and I thought he was kidding. I thought he was just essentially adopting Donald Trump's birthday. And he said, no, it's my birthday, too. And so he pulls out his wallet 
slams a, he says, my brand new Arizona driver's license. Shows me the driver's license, and lo and behold, it's June 14th, 1932. He shares the birthday with Donald Trump. Then as we sit down and start talking, he's, you know, very light tone, he suddenly gets a little bit sad. And he said, it's kind of a mixed day for me. I'm 84 years old. I've had 84 of these birthdays. And each one of them comes with a tinge of sadness because my mother died in childbirth with me. And uh, that set the tone for what was a very interesting conversation. There was a lot of the usual bombast. And it really occurred to me, having seen Donald Trump's office, Arpaio is kind of the proto-Trump. He's kind of the template for Trump. His office kind of looks like Trump's office looks. There's a big New York Post front page saying the sheriff of America uh, in there. He's really working the same side of the street. And he was a, a surprisingly likable guy, um, which made the uh, interview uh, interesting, to say the least. Um, uh, he talks about Trump. He talks about particularly Trump's view of the media and that exchange, I think, uh, where he describes his own relationship with the media and really basically says, without you, I'm nothing, speaking of the media and me, uh, really kind of blew me away. Well, anyway, turned out to be a much more interesting conversation than I would have thought. Uh, a little bit of business. As usual, follow us on iTunes and rate us. We're doing pretty well still with that. And send me emails. I've been getting tons of them. They are blowing my mind, guys. I'm used to the negative feedback, as I've said before. But please, I like the honey, too, in my tea. Gthrush at politico.com. A lot of uh, guest suggestions we're getting that are good. A couple of people, by the way, suggested Joe Arpaio. So, without any further ado, here is the sheriff himself. By the time I get to Arizona... Sheriff Joe, first thing I want to say is uh, you blew my mind with this. I thought you were kidding around. This is actually your birthday, right? June 14, Flag Day, uh, 1932. Um, I don't like to talk about personal history of me. I very seldom talk about it, but not only is it my birthday, it's the day my mother died. I uh, gave her life for me, refusing an abortion, so today... She died, given her life. How old was she me. when she died? About tw she was twenty-eight. So she was young. Were you the first kid, the first uh, child? Yeah, yeah, my mother and father came here from Italy. Tell me, tell me a little bit. We were talking about that a little bit before we started. Uh, you are. I, I made the mistake of calling you uh, Neapolitan. You corrected me. Where were your folks from, and what did they do, and when did they come? Well, from near uh, Naples, uh, Avellino, the pro province of Avellino. Uh, my father uh, came off the boat with my mother, opened up a little Italian grocery store in Springfield, Massachusetts, worked hard, and built it up to two other Italian uh, grocery stores. So he... The only time he ever uh, took a trip when he took me to uh, New York to see the Yankees, uh, even though I'm a Red Sox guy, Springfield, Mass., but the only reason he went, because Joe DiMaggio, being Italian, From San Francisco. he wanted to see an Italian. My, my father was very pro-Italian, although he's very proud to be an American. So you, uh, what kind of, are we talking, what kind of store? What do you remember about the store? Italian grocery store. Uh, even had their own butcher shop. When I was in high school, I delivered groceries. I was 16, had my license, and worked hard, got $3 a day. Uh, and uh, 
since my mother died uh, when I was born, I bounced around from one Italian family uh, to another. Because your dad was raising you guys. How many? How many? How many uh, kids were there all together? Just uh, me. My father uh, remarried uh, when I was twelve. Uh, so I have a half brother, and uh, then I joined the army uh, when the Korean War broke out in 1950. Graduated from high school, turned 18, joined the army. Korean War broke out, so I did all that within so, a month. So your your parents, so how'd they wind up? Was there a big Italian population in Springfield? How'd they wind up getting th getting to Springfield? Did they come through New York? Did they come through Boston? Where'd they come from? Uh, my folks came through Ellis Island. And I had an uncle in Pittsfield, Mass, which is Western Mass. Uh, so my dad, uh, mother... Uh, and these were like, at this point in time, maybe that's getting a little... These, Pittsfield's not a mill town, is it? These are sort of, I think, more of Lowell as being like a the prototypical yeah, that's, mill town. Lowell is not Western Mass. Right. Pittsfield is... The Italians, because I'm a Jew, and the mm -hmm. Jews, when they were always, you know, the rag trade, Italians in upstate New York and stuff did shoes. I, I, you know, like uh, Endicott, New York is famous for an Italian population around a shoe, shoe factory. The, most of the Italian immigrants who were coming over in the Springfield area up there, what were, they, what were their trades back home? Well, my father uh, was, believe it or not, in the Italian army. Really? Yeah. And uh, uh, so he says, uh, you know, I, uh, my father uh, all worked and uh, learned English. Um, but, you know, it was a little difficult sometimes when you don't have a mother and you're bound, you live in from one Italian family to another. So you were physically, personally moving from house to house? Yeah, the first three years lived in an Italian family. My father and I had a room, and uh, they had their family. Uh, and, you know, we used to give them Italian groceries to help pay for the room and board. Right. And then from 3 to 12, another Italian family, which was very, uh, those years were very uh, impressionable. So, and then... You remember he, a lot. Oh, yeah, I remember. I got a good memory. And then uh, 12, he remarried. And so from 12 to 18, another family. But I turned out okay. I was, played all the sports, high school, worked hard to make a few bucks. And um, that's been my history. Work hard and you can be successful. Well, since this is a dual, so your birthday, well, your birthday is, we were joking about it because for those people who don't know, we're recording this on uh on uh, Tuesday the 14th, this is also Donald Trump's mm -hmm. uh, birthday. But so this, uh, we were just kind of kidding about this, but this is uh, an important, a really important day for you with respect to remembering your mom. What, what do you know about her? Not much. Uh, uh, nice looking. <laughs> when you all look at the picture. Um, is there like one or two pictures particularly that are kind of resonate in your mind? Well, of course it's black and white, yeah. but... Uh, uh, but, you know, in those days, and I'm a big right-to-life person, uh, not only because I have four adopted uh, grandkids born in a hospital. I don't talk about it for security right. reasons, right. different uh, races. Uh, but I'm a right-to-life. And, you know, how can I not be when my mother refused the abortion? She was, uh, she was told this was a high-risk pregnancy, yeah. and uh, she yeah. chose she, to do in this. In those days, you didn't do it. Well, even today, a lot of people will not have abortions. 
But I've 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 known people, unfortunately, in my life who had the same circumstances, and that made for a somewhat complicated relationship between the child and the father. It is a it is a a very is a strenuous dynamic on a family. It is an can't imagine a more incredibly strainful situation, right? Do you think Do you think that really had an impact on you over the years? Well, I very seldom talk about it. Uh, now I talk about it once in a while. When you get to be my age, you talk about your history. I mean, you talk about yeah. personal. I'm not. A, I'm a very private person, regardless of what the world may no, think no, I of understand. me. Um, uh, but you know, today is. Or, you know, my birthday was June 14, and 84 times. And then you have to look back at your life, and uh, and that comes into play. You're, you know, I never had a, a mother to uh, grow up with, but that's the way it is. I turned out okay. So it's a bittersweet, a little bit of a bittersweet day. Every yeah. every single day, eighty four times. Yeah, every birthday especially. Does it get easier? or Does it get harder over the years as you start remembering things? No, no. I just now maybe speak out a little about it. You know, I don't need this for politics sure. or. Yep. You know, but. Um, you know, that's something that uh, I lived through my whole life. And uh, and uh, sometimes when you look at the grandkids and knew that the uh, mothers, I won't get into their backgrounds, could very easily have had abortions. But then when you look at the kids, they wouldn't be here, you know. So, so, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big, I, I know, it's a very controversial situation. I'm just talking about of course. How, personally how I feel. But but so being an uh, so being the son of an uh, Italian immigrant, and she came from the same region of Italy. Yes, La, La Cedonia, which is a small town in the province of uh, Avellino. And they met over. And they met and married over yeah. there. Or they met yes. and married over oh, here. Oh yeah, married in Italy. So they were um, obviously. I'm one of the reasons I'm talking about it because so you are familiar with the immigrant experience personally. Right? Yes. Um, did they face any discrimination as Italians? You've mentioned this in some uh, interviews. Did they or me? Well, let's start with them and then we'll move well, on to you. <laughs> you know, I grew up, uh, my father had the Italian store in an Italian neighborhood. Right. Uh, but uh, where we lived, uh, you know, we had a black uh, neighbor. Uh, my father had money, but we didn't live in high class homes and, you know, the old fashioned yeah. uh, Italian, uh, you know. Uh, but you know there was. They used to call us all different names, and uh, never bothered me. You know, bad names they call Italians. The yeah, the, you know, the ones you know, that you've mentioned. I can before. give you all the three of them. I know. I know them all. I mean, the one of them is uh, WAP, uh, and uh, allegedly, about, me, allegedly yeah. means without passport. Yeah, I, right? I never realized. Yeah. I knew it was a bad word, yeah. but I never realized till later. Hey, that means without papers. The irony of this, this whole thing. But there was other names. And let me tell you something. Who knows better than me? I was a top federal law enforcement right. guy. With the Bureau of Narcotics. And we, we're the ones, uh, we only had 200 agents. We're the ones that said there's a mafia. Which, that's a bad name to use right. too. The connotation if you're Italian and you're from New York or Chicago. Is what and, it is. Uh, oh, you got to be a member of the mob. Now, who knows better than me when I worked on the mob? Who knows better than, you know, I was in charge of many offices around the world. 
and worked on the mob. So I know that uh, uh, what it is uh, when you talk about race right. and you're Italian, ah, you got to be a mob. Even here, people come here to get out of the weather from New York, the mob, all, all at once if you're from New York or Chicago, wait a minute, hey, it's got to be the mafia. Right. I was a cop in Vegas too. And the mob ran all the hotels. Now, right. actually, there wasn't that much crime when the mob. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that's good or bad, but the mob had had its own ethics too. You know, right? They would never kill a child or or a cop. Okay, right. Now everybody's mafia. You got the Russian mafia, the Mexican mafia. Everybody's mafia these days. Well, wait. Let me get w one more thing back to uh, to your parents, because uh, you know my parents came over, and I have to say, I, th I think my grandmother was undocumented. She slipped in on a ship, um, and she left. Uh, she left Russia because Jews were getting persecuted. There were pogroms, and she came here in like 1911, I think. So, your what? What year did your parents come in the twenties? I'm guessing. I think it was 1916. So there's a lot of stuff going on yeah, in Italy yeah, at that point yeah, in time. Yeah. A lot of unrest. Yeah. Why? Why did they come? What were they? What were they? Well, they they really want to come for a better life. Uh, they came off the boat, Ellis Island, legally. Uh, I think I have documentation, and I think I'm on the. They have some, you know, statue or something in. Ellis Island, you know, yep. where you pay to have your name on it. But was it mostly economic, or was it violent back there? What was it like? No, I don't think my father never talked about that. He, he they just came to America to, to have a better get a better life, a challenge. And I, his uncle, my uncle, came but never made it to the U.S. Stopped off in Canada because of the immigration policy. He could never make it to right, but he did stay in Canada. Let me ask. Let me ask you a question that brings it to the here and now in terms of the politics. If your parent, if the immigration laws at that point in time, we were dealing with quota systems. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. in the case of Jews, very restrictive, uh, even even when there was a lot of persecution. If they had been denied entry to this country, do you think they should have come in anyway? No. 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 They have to obey the law, and even today, when you talk about all the controversy. Uh, all the laws, and I can go on and on. Yep. There's one thing that sticks in my mind all the time called the fairness issue. We have people from your country, Israel, yep. or you, from Italy, and everywhere. They wait for years and years to come into our country. They have to get lawyers, immigration experts. They wait for years to come into our country legally. Right. So why is it fair for those that come here illegally to take care of them and probably a pathway to citizenship when everybody else or most people are trying to obey the law to come here. So I don't think that's fair. Do you think in general, because you know, this is obviously an issue that, that you've had to deal with in the course of your career, do you think in terms of, let's talk about discrimination in this country, like a history of discrimination, because you did, I heard you on a radio show talking about what you thought was a history of anti-Italian discrimination. Do you think discrimination against blacks and Latinos exists in a big way, or do you think it is overstated? I think it's overstated. How so? Because I, I think there's a lot of hype. Uh, unfortunately, in our country today, you have to be very careful what you say. Uh, we do have freedom of speech, but if you say the wrong word, it, it looks like it makes headlines. Uh, so everybody has to be very careful especially politicians, sometimes K 
can't be as outward as maybe they would like to. Uh, and um, we're living in a different society right now, which sometimes is good, sometimes is bad. I still think people like to hear from someone's heart and how they really feel in the old political rhetoric, trying to not say the wrong thing, because how would it look? Would they get votes, lose votes? Right. And it's sort of a restriction sometimes uh, because of the media. I'm not blaming the media. Yeah. The media has a job to do. Your uh, your periodical, to, I read it once, so it seems like pretty good, fair. Uh, you know, as long as it's fair, I think that's what anybody wants, balance and a little but, fairness. But in general, you don't think, for instance, La Raza, you, you don't think that there is uh, systematic discrimination in this country against Latinos or blacks at this point. You think those, th- those no. problems have been dealt no, with? No, I really don't. I dealt with the uh, Hispanics. I was regional director in Mexico City and dealt with the president and uh, the top people there. I was head of the federal drug enforcement, had offices in Panama, Bogota, Argentina, Central America. So, And I also was the head of the DA in Texas, covered that border, head of DA in Arizona, covered that border, head of DA in Mexico, covered that border. Now, I'm only talking about the U.S.-Mexican border, right. but I also was a top federal guy in Turkey, the Middle East. So I know a little about the Middle East too. We'll get we'll get to that because that's obviously uh, in the news. Let me ask you a little bit about you. Obviously, support uh, Mr. Trump's plan on the wall. Now, I thought it was really interesting when the head of the Border Patrol, uh, Border Patrol uh, Union, uh, endorsed mm-hmm. Mr. Trump, but he also said, I think, that it was impractical to build the wall the way that Trump said. Who do you do you do you think the wall will be built in the way that Trump says it, or do you think it'll be a more limited thing in the way that the Border Patrol Union guy seems to think. Well, you know, I uh, I know there's a big newspaper in New England that uh, did a is supposed to do a big story on me. Oh, I didn't know that. On Operation Intercept. Yep. Uh, which G. Gordon Liddy and I ran in 1969. Right. Under Nixon, and we just about closed the border for two weeks. And I think we got one marijuana cigarette <laughs> because Nixon said you will do it and, it, and threatened Mexico. We're going to cut your foreign right. aid. Right. And uh, it was successful, but you can't keep it up forever with right. thousands of troops. Uh, you know. Right. Uh, but then I became regional director in Mexico and they hated us. And I had to uh, deal with the top officials uh, and uh, and try to let them know we're not that bad. I had agents uh, there working undercover. Uh, so I used to have the attorney general over. Right. He liked uh, blueberry pie. My wife pumped out tons of blueberry pie and a little whiskey. So I got more done with whiskey and blueberry pie than the big stick. That's how you do it. So you now, think it's a lever- So I'm just reading between the lines here. You think less than a concrete actual thing, it's a, it's a bargaining tool. A leverage tool. Against well, the, the bargaining message. tool, according to Donald, could be whether it's fifty feet or twenty feet. So you're not. So you're uh, not necessarily pegged to any particular length. It being the entire. Well, let me say this the, about the wall. Yeah, we have a problem at the border. Even with the wall, we're still going to have smuggling. The only thing is, if the wall was built and you hop over there, I like to put the people in jail, not kick them over like they're doing now, and they build a bigger wall. Uh, there has to be some responsibility. So he said uh, the wall. And I know he's a little frustrated, 
and you know we got the walls uh china yep look at israel israel is a great country for examples on how to do security right i really love how israel operates and i love the jewish people i'm not just saying that because you're jewish it's okay no, I'm just no. <laughs> the only Jewish guy that the mob hires is Byron Lansky. I don't know how he sneaked in there, but he knew how to count the money. Actually, I'm the only one that ever busted that guy. Do you know that? Byron Lansky? Yeah. Really? Yeah, because they used to come to Acapulco when I was a director. Right. They came, uh, Catroni brothers out of Canada, they came there to get out of the snow. And everybody thought they were there uh, doing international drug trafficking. I used to have to follow him around. So he knew we were following him, Lansky. Checked his uh, safe in the hotel, found out he had prescriptions or notified the customs in Florida. And they busted him on prescription drugs. That wow. was the only time the guy was ever wow. arrested. Wow. Uh, but, um, you know, those were the old days. But you know what? As I said, now it's the cartel. Right. I always thought that was a Mexican restaurant. Everybody has to give a name. It used to be Ma, Mafia. Now it's the Mexican cartels. You know, it's always names. And one thing I appreciate of you, or you're going to appreciate with me, because I'm being interviewed. Yes. I, I'm so tired of watching television, especially cable. Nothing against Fox and all the... But you notice... Recently, everybody, I just hate the word, look. Have you noticed every time someone's interviewed, now look, blah, 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 look, now blah, blah, blah. Uh, last year was, tr now look, we got to be transparent, transparency. Now it's look, then it used to be boots on the ground. So this look, I get so angry everywhere when I look. Well, look, look here. Look, 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 How about look. see here? Isn't everybody that copies everybody else, Right. So if, gonna, use luck, so if in five years, are we going to look in, the, in that direction and see a wall? Well, one thing uh, I, I uh, supported Donald Trump, and uh, if, we're, if we're talking about him now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm the first one that stood next to him here in July. Yes, absolutely. Nobody else would stand next to him. And I remember when I introduced him, I said uh, that um, – there's a secret, a silent majority out there. Everybody started cheering. That we have a few things in common. I even mentioned our birthday. Then I mentioned another thing I'm not going to talk about now, the birth certificate. Right. But that's not dead as far as I'm now concerned. That's how, now, that's how you guys initially got to know each other. Tell me a little bit no. about that. Well, I never heard of him before. I heard the name Trump yeah. Hotels, you know. I, yeah. I, I heard of the Playboy guy, too. He's got my underwear. Everybody, you know, president, they all come here for my endorsement, all these right. guys running for president. Trump, yeah, I don't even think I've been in his casinos. Right. Um, so I heard of the name. But about three years ago, I mean, he knew we were working the birth, and he had an interest in it. Right. I think he wrote me a note. I got the note. Sheriff Joe, thanks for your courage and all that. Okay. I never met him. Right. Until I met him in July when I introduced him. Really? So you guys hadn't communicated, nope. emailed, nothing like At that? At one time. And right off the bat. Right off the bat. <coughs> and I knew he was different. And I'm not going to brag. Right. But the last election, everyone running for president either visited me in my office or called me one of my endorsements. Seven of them. 
name, I settled with Rick Can Perry. you name him? Uh, did Romney call you? Yeah. I was his campaign guy, the first guy, first time as honorary chairman. I was George W. Bush's honorary chairman the first time. And McCain? He ran. McCain? No, no, saw, no didn't I McC- wasn't McCain. No, McCain, when he was in the Senate, initially sought your endorsement, but then when he ran for president, it was a little bit different, right? We were good friends, but right. there was a breakdown. I don't blame him. Maybe his campaign people didn't do the right thing. Right. So that's why George W. came to see me when he was governor. You know, I, I worked Texas. My daughter was born in Texas. I love Texas. Uh, and uh, he was interested in uh, drugs and illegal. But the thing is different. The one thing I will tell you, the thing that is different about Trump than any of these people is you, to some extent, were doing, talking about a lot of these issues, uh, running on them uh, considerably before he was. I mean, you can really kind of look at you as a little bit of a, a blueprint for the way Trump is running his national campaign, can't you? I don't really advise him. Um, I mean, I, leading uh, by example more than anything. Uh, well, he mentions me all the time. Um, but he was different. Yeah. I had the gut feeling right off the bat that he's different. Right. And I went with him right off the bat. Now... I didn't officially endorse him until Marshalltown, Iowa, but that was sort of a strategic thing right? because I already supported him in July. Right. Everybody knew that. But then we went to Vegas after that. Uh, and actually, that's the picture someone took when I endorsed him. So, um, And we're looking at a, a poster on the wall that says, Sheriff uh, Joe and the Trumpinator, don't mess with us. Well, that's a movie guy. Right. Uh, so, um, but I did it quick. I didn't stay for a half hour like I'm running for president. I know how to deal right. with people I endorse for president. I don't right. try to take the show away. Right. So I did it short, sweet. He's my guy. But I said that in July before anybody would stand next to him. And I stick with him to the bitter end or sweet end. Yeah. Probably going to be as sweet. I don't give up. Once I endorse somebody, it's there for life. Okay, that's the way I am, the yep. old Italian way. So I knew he was different. I knew he was different. Do you see similarities between him and you in terms of the approach? I mean, look, he's made immigration is the core of this guy's campaign. We'll talk about Orlando in two seconds. Orlando is not just a domestic, immigration is not just a a domestic policy for him. It's a foreign, you know, it's the core of his foreign policy in terms of controlling immigration. Don't you see when you look at Trump, don't you, you never sit there and think, I was saying this stuff 10, 15 years before he was. Well, there's there's other issues, the economic, economic problem right. that I'm very uh, uh, very interested in the economy, economy because you know I was in business with my right. wife for a while, and I worked overseas. I know a little about the economy around the world, uh, and I kind of agree with him that we ought to keep the jobs here. On the guns, uh, I'm the guy that uh, do a lot of controversy, including 18 million hits, uh, when I said that uh, 250,000 people would uh, conceal weapons, uh, I want them to take action. Anybody that breaks in and starts a rampage, I want them to be shot dead. And three days later, California happened. So I was a step ahead. Now we know what happened in Orlando. So I was with the gun issue. So you felt you were a step ahead on the San Bernardino in the way that he said he was ahead in the on the. Well, I don't know. Uh, he, he, I don't know. Think he's copying me. I'm just saying that what I have been doing, and maybe it's only using common sense, and maybe he's the only one willing to come out and say it. Uh, immigrations have been an issue. 
But there's so many other things I believe in him. I believe uh, that at least he has the guts to speak out. He gets so tired of pol- political correctness. I'm I'm noted for speaking out all my right. career. Okay, he yep. does, uh, and uh, he's he's a business guy. I think it's time for a business guy, uh, and uh, he's a winner. Do you think uh, you know? You mentioned that you have a multiracial family. Do you think, to some extent, and I don't know how to kind of put this gently, do you do you feel that white Americans, particularly white working class Americans, are getting the short end of the stick? Do you think that they are being forgotten? And do you think that both you and Trump represent those people? No, I think it doesn't matter what color you are. Everybody's getting the getting the stick, and I'm sure Trump feels the same way. It doesn't matter whether you're black, Hispanic, white. They all they're all in the same boat. They have right. a problem in this country. It doesn't matter who you are, what ethnic background, racial background. No, that that doesn't matter. I'm kind of a guy like Trump is in a way. Where I spent time with him. I spent two hours with him on his airplane. Right. They had more because usually when I introduce him, he comes in. I and then he has to leave. But I when I was here in my hometown doing the, uh, uh, the you know the latest in Fallon Hills, Arizona, yep. uh, then I flew with him to Tucson, had a little time together with him. What would you guys talk about? Oh, we talked about uh, a lot of things. Um, but you know what? What's really interesting, all these politicians that want my endorsement, yeah. you know, the campaign manager, don't say this, maybe you'll say that. Never has his campaign people, Corey or anybody or him, ever said to me, can you say this or don't say that? Not once. What were they happy with? That you said, I don't know because they never would complain. I think they feel very secure. You know, everybody's not perfect. I could have said things that they're not happy with. Maybe I did, but no one has tried to influence me like all the other people that want my endorsement, the campaign. Oh, can you do this? Don't do that. You're going to hurt our. Isn't that interesting? That not once have they ever tried to sway me. But you feel, in terms of Trump, you mentioned sort of the forgotten people in the country, right? Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people, Trump has an extremely high unpopularity rating. Uh, The majority, you can't, Sheriff, you can't uh, deny the numbers. You know, the the overwhelming majority of people who support him in all the polls are white. And a lot of blacks and Latinos don't like him. Those are the numbers. I I got into a little to-do with Senator Sessions on this. There's a little wiggle room on this, but there are polls that show 87% of Latinos don't like Donald Trump. Are they just getting it wrong? Well, a lot of people here, uh, Hispanics, they say don't like me because every day there's demonstrations against me. I can go on and on. Right. I do pretty good with the Hispanics. There's always those activists, those groups, the media hype and everything else. So I don't believe uh, where you're getting your polls about him. I think you're going to be surprised. Uh and one thing I, I really confuses me, and I know there's a couple that have come out. Yeah. Maybe I started it, but I have said publicly, he's, he's got like 30,000 employees. How come you don't see him before the camera complaining? Now, I, I might have a couple people that work for me right. that leave in there. The first thing they want to do is blast me, you know, and I don't have 30,000 employees, but where are all these people? How come they're not going before the camera to get a little press? You're a good politician. How did you do with Latinos in the last? Are you up? You're up this year, 2016. Mm-hmm. My seventh time. 
Your seventh time, wow, since 93, right? Longest serving sheriff in Maricopa County. Remember, I had my other life, too. Where you were, obviously. My big life before that. How do you do typically with Latinos in terms of percentages? Do you know offhand? No, but I think last time maybe, I don't know if it was 30% that voted for me. Um, that means 70% are going against you. That's not... Unless it's baseball. No, I'm, it's... I'm not talking about everybody that voted. Oh, right, right. I'm talking about those that voted, 30 The others probably didn't vote. Right, I'm right. talking about the percentage that voted for. I don't know how many voted. Uh, but uh, Do you think they're a growing force politically in, in the state of Arizona in Maricopa County? Well, you know, last time they did everything to, to, to go after me from Washington, the Hispanic groups and all that, recalled me, tried to recall me. I can go on and on, but yep. I, I survived. Uh and I'm pretty proud of the fact that I, I get support from all all areas. I now, I don't know. Um, uh, you know, I I have a little ego. Yeah. Uh, but you and I, we can walk down the street anywhere, and you're going to see Hispanics come up to me and want my picture. Now. I'm beginning to wait a minute. It's probably not because they're going to vote for me. Right. Maybe they think I'm going to die. <laughs> and they make, can sell me for 99 cents, right? Or maybe it's because I'm a celebrity. They say, you catch on? Yeah. But I, it's, it's amazing, the young people. And I go to McDonald's, Hispanic clerks will come back. Sure, can we have a picture? Over and over again. Now, I don't, at least they want a picture with me. Right. So I do my own polls. I'm out there every day talking to groups. Right. I don't rely on the media. I use the average one speech a day for, thir- uh, for 25 years. People know me because I'm out there. It takes a lot of work to do this every day, every day. But I feel as a sheriff, I should get to know my people. I serve them. They don't serve me. I serve them. They're my bosses. And the more people I can see and talk to, I love it. I'd rather go into a black neighborhood any day. I feel more comfortable talking to the blacks or Hispanics or the poor areas. I feel more at home, believe it or not. I did walk a black beat for four years. In Washington, D.C.? In D.C., believe me, in the older days. And then I have all the experience. What was that experience like? Different. It was a little different those days. They had a blackjack and a nightstick. That's it. Now everybody's got tasers, machine guns. You had to use that blackjack and nightstick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I read somewhere that you said you were the most assaulted police officer in the DCPD. Well, the last year, I think I had 19. But, you know, I'm a little guy. What do you mean 19? What happened? Assaults. People assaulted me when I arrest them. You know, you charge them with assault. When right. you resist arrest. Right. Uh, but I never shot anybody. In my whole 55 years of law enforcement, I had gun battles all the time in Turkey. And the only dangerous part in Vienna, Virginia, when they kidnapped me, took me on the boondocks and shot at me eight times. This was the assassination it, attempt, yeah. I don't know if assassination is should try to kill me. Right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but in D.C., you were, so you're walking a black beat as a white cop in the- black, 21 years old. How, I, what was that like? That city was a racial powder keg back then. It was tough. What was it like being a white cop walking in a black, uh, in a black beat? And did you have- you said you had some black neighbors. Did you have any adjustments to make? Was this something that you had to sort of change your view of that community? Well, that was years later yeah. uh, when I was uh, uh, in the Army. 
Uh, actually, that was before because I, I became a cop uh, when I got discharged right. at 21 years old, young 21-year-old cop walking a tough beat by right. myself where the other, this is 14th and you, where the other precinct had two. 14th and you, which by the way, is you know is now, now the fanciest yeah. it restaurant neighborhood. It wasn't in, the in ni- yep. 1954, it wasn't. But I was very aggressive. Everything I do in my life is very aggressive. And so I give me an example. So you got so so when people were resisting arrest, you were not going to take that kind of stuff sitting down. Not just re, no. When I try to lock them up, they resisted arrest. But anybody who was drunk, that's a violation. I even used to stop um, vehicles uh, going through stop signs, even though I was walking. So you know what though? When you really look back at your career, yeah. There's an old saying, uh, criminologist, it takes about five years to become a cop, you know, yep. to get the experience yep. and a little, not that I ever did anything wrong. I was just aggressive. That's the way I am in my yep. life. But it takes a little time. Is there so any, any particular thing you recall that you regret? No. No. I mean, I know I enforce the law, uh, but what? sometimes I regret, regret that maybe... Uh, the law is black and white, but maybe there's a gray area. Uh, maybe I could have maybe give somebody a break instead of calling the wagon when they're drunk and all that. Yeah. Because, but it was a tough beat. I had to prove that I, I was in charge of that beat. So you had so part of the, part of doing that job was proving that you were tough enough to do it. Because I was by myself. I've had two hundred people gang up on me in the middle of Fourteenth Street, trying to make an arrest. Uh, so I did, but, but I was aggressive, you know, it's just trying to enforce the law. And you, you were pretty, I see you got a billy club over there. That's not the original, right? That no, was presented no, to you. No. Well, uh, were you pretty good with the billy club? Well, we had a blackjack too, but those days, that's what you did. You didn't shoot people. I never shot anybody. Right, right. I mean, maybe today you could have shot anybody, I get away with it. <laughs> so there were many times I could have killed people. But you... I, uh, legally, I could have killed many people, especially working undercover. But you crack a head or two. But I gave them a down. chance. Yeah. I remember I did a lot of undercover work for the feds. I, I was a federal guy, but I just liked doing it. Right. Many times when you go to arrest somebody, they pull their gun. And I got here I am, a federal agent, telling them to drop their gun. But the gun is like that. I give them a split second to drop it, and they drop it. I could have shot them 50. Who's, who's going to complain? So... Things have changed, though, since those days. But we had violence in those days, too. Not like we have today. What was the worst thing that you saw when you were on the beat in D.C.? What was, what was, well, or, what was, what was the scariest? You mentioned the 200 people surrounding you. What was, was there a racial component to that? Were you being viewed as the white dude in the know, neighborhood? You know, I never came across that uh, too much. Uh, it actually works the other way around. How so? Because maybe I was racial profiling a white. Because when you see a white guy at three in the morning on your beat in an alley, you kind of, what's this guy doing here? Right. So you go up and you question it. What are you doing here at three? Right. You know what they're probably doing. Three in the morning, either buying drugs or hookers. You right. know what I mean? So you go right. up and talk to them. Right. Seems to be a little out of place. Those days we didn't have what we have today. Cops had more authority to question people and, you know. So I never had any problems with civil rights or anything else in the days that I was very aggressive, walking a walking a black so, so now you've got you got a situation where the Justice Department accused you of systematic racial profiling, mm-hmm. right? Since two thousand and eight, 
when Obama took office. Do you think that that's a personal vendetta as opposed to an, an accurate assessment of the way you, you run your department? You know, I don't really want to answer that right now. Uh, <laughs> Come on, man. No, because I'm in the, uh, You're in the, the court right now. Right. And, uh, but believe me, there's a lot I like to say, but I don't think the time is right now. Let me phrase that a different way. Because you did, uh, you, you did seem to have a bit of a problem with Trump talking about the judge in his case, right? Did you think that that was... I never commented on that. Right. You but, mean the judge? Yeah, 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 the judge I in never, the Trump University. I never, oh, I see. Yeah, that you're you right. Said, I, yeah. I, I apologize. Yeah, yeah. I think someone asked me. I said, I don't even talk my own case. So you think it was a bad... So why would I talk about his case? And you think it was, do you think it was just generally in terms of smarts? Forget about the, the details of the case, that it was not the most prudent thing for Trump to have done. I'm not going to comment. Uh, he knows what he's doing. But you just wouldn't, have, you don't do it in, in the similar situation. I don't know. No, no, I mean, you're not doing it. You're not talking to, about your... No, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> so uh, uh, he did what he did. Uh, I can kind of understand where he's going sometimes, uh, but I'm not going to be a typical politician and uh, afraid to stand on the stage with him. Right. Or now all these politicians are afraid to go near him. Why do you think people are afraid to go near him? Well, I think everybody's looking at their own elections. I hate to say that. Yeah. You know, you know it. Mm-hmm. I know it. You want me to say it, and I'm saying it. Yeah. And I'm not complaining about that. People have to worry about their own future, their own elections. I understand that. And they see that I he's understand a, that. And they view him a little bit as you a know, threat. But I'm not the type of yeah. guy that does that. I don't throw people under the bus. When I stick by a guy, I may not agree with him all the time, but I sure don't throw him under the bus. So when you say that people are worried about their elections, what do you mean? Well, I know there's a lot of controversy on the Hispanic vote. People are all saying, oh, you can't win uh, if, if you don't have the Hispanic vote. Right. And people start getting excited about it. I'm the guy that should really be excited about it. And if there's anybody that should be shying away from Trump, it's me <laughs> with all the heat I'm taking. Right. Right. Come on, yeah, absolutely. Any smart guy, but you're going would to do that. But you're going. But I'm down, not a smart but, guy, maybe. But, but you're also going down a road that you. He's to a certain extent going down a road that you trailblazed. Like I mean, oh, come on, legacy. I don't want to. That's not the reason. It's not me. It's just that um, people running for office sometimes uh, make mistakes. Uh, sometimes uh, they speak. I've been with the rallies with them. I, I, I get so amused. He may say something in the rally. I've been with him when he said, hey, uh, you know, the cops, take them out and all that. But it's a rally. I mean, if you're in a rally, you're trying to talk to rally people, you talk off the cuff. That's a rally. But you don't he, think that's incitement when he's saying, I was with him in Lowell, Massachusetts, when he's telling him to chuck people out in six degree temperature. You, you, you're saying don't take that seriously. Come on. I, I've been with him two, three times. There's a couple of demonstrators and they remove him. Okay, so what he's trying to, and I was with uh, uh, Corey down in Tucson uh, when we flew from my hometown there to do uh, the uh, uh, talk, a rally. Corey didn't do anything wrong when we were facing all the demonstrators, but uh, there's just so much uh, hype and so on because he's a controversial guy. I'm controversial. You wouldn't be here talking to me if I was a nothing. Right. I don't think. That's true. Why waste your time? That's true. It right? is your birthday. So I'm something. Right. So the controversy, uh, okay, 
But that is a similarity, you and Trump. I know you don't want to talk about this stuff, but I'm going to rattle it out of you. Unless trying I'm to con me. Trying to con you. Uh, your approach to politics, Sheriff Joe, is extremely similar to his in terms of, you're telling me, look, I grew up in New York, so I know mm -hmm. the difference between, forgive me for saying this, uh, you know, that there's a certain uh, element of bullshit artistry mm -hmm. in the way the politicians talk, and, you, and there's an exaggerated effect too. That's good. And you you seem to realize early on that to get people's attention and to galvanize people, that courting the controversy was a useful tool in terms of focusing people on on your campaign, right? How to explain to me the role of controversy, why you've courted controversy, and how you think it was a smart thing to do in terms of pursuing your goals. Well, you know, I've been somebody before immigration. I've been the sheriff right. since 2003. Right. Everybody knew me even before I took on the— 93. I'm sorry, yeah, 93, <laughs> Jesus. I don't want you to give yourself short shrift. Uh, thank you. That may be 20 <laughs> years younger. Right. But anyway, uh, uh, I, I, I built my reputation as a new sheriff. Right. And— um, Controversial things, putting up tents in 120 degrees. I can go on and on. Right, that was the first thing the, that got you. Yeah, the immigration uh, just came up uh, around 2008 or 2007, actually 2005 when they paced, uh, passed two state laws on immigration. So I started enforcing the immigration laws and it became mushroom into controversy. But I've been around longer before that. Right. So everybody says it's because of the immigration that I'm well known. That's not right. Right. I've been on about 4,000 international, uh, and if you look at all my stuff here, I put a few up, you notice it's way before. Of course. Before immigration, the New York, everything there is But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this. In Trump's office, he's got, your office looks like Trump's office. You got copies of the New York Post. He's got big copies of the New York Post. You guys have the same, I'm telling you, man, the, yeah. the parallels between you two yeah, are but, undeniable. Yeah, but his is, well, his has to do with building casinos. Right. Mine is right. locking people up around right. the world. Right, but don't you see that there's a similarity in the approach is what I'm saying. Is that in, okay. or, in order to get people's attention, you have... But let me tell you this. I'm a kind of a humble guy. Yeah. One thing I don't like people to say, oh, he's copying you. Yeah. No, he's doing his own thing. Right. Okay, I'm not going to take credit. Okay. Not that I would not love to, because I'm I'm supporting the guy. You think, right. even though he's taking heat, then most people, oh, I don't know nothing. I have nothing to do with him. Yeah, man. No, I would never say that. But we seem to be on the same path. Right. They're using the word path now. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> like, look. Yeah. So, <laughs> but maybe let's put it this way: maybe it's good for the country. Actually, he won. I win all the time. He won. But okay. Maricopa County and the Republican primary is not the rest of the country. A bigger election is a bigger election. Mm -hmm. The there is Barack Obama won two elections uh, by maximizing turnout among black and brown voters. Um, do you think that the Arpaio, Arpaio, pardon me, the Arpaio Trump approach can win a national election? Of course, I said from day one he's the only one that could be Hillary. From day one, I said that. Do you think with the with the fact that you have a certain X number of percentage of blacks and Latinos who are not going to vote for him, liberals too, some moderates, women. Don't you think you, you're no. kind of piling up the no. antis here? Because now I'm going to get back to the silent majority regarding right. that group of right. people. You'll be shocked. He's got a lot of support out there. And let me tell you something. Yeah. I roam the streets all the time. You'll be shocked. I'm shocked. Everybody that comes up to me, oh, thank you, sir, if you're supporting Trump. I don't care who they are. 
they kind of whisper sometimes. Yeah. Okay. But I know how people feel, at least in this uh, state, and even in Vegas. And uh, no, it, it's amazing that uh, people to support him, but you don't think they do. Why are people so angry? You think? At him. No, I mean angry in the oh, country. Oh, oh, come on. You know the answer. No, you tell me, man. Well, I think they're fed up with the administration. You know, I'm kind of a bureaucrat, too. Right. You know, I've been around uh, with the feds for, what, 30 years? Yep. And been top of it. I know how they operate. I've been caught up, not caught up in the Watergate, but I've been around the Attorney General at that time. So I happen to be in ripe, controversial places just by chance. Right. Um, so... I think they're concerned about our country today. Uh, I think they're concerned about the jobs. You know, the same routine yeah. that everybody's talking about. Uh, the, and uh, the real thing I I think, and where Trump has hit a nerve, is they want somebody with the guts to speak out, somebody different, not a typical, right? You know, in the Beltway type guy, right? And um, I think that's what's driving him. He hit a he hit a nerve. Timing is perfect right now for a guy like him. Timing is everything. And he hit on the right timing, and he proved that during the uh, primaries. Why is this moment, is it because of Obama? I think it's not just Obama. I think it's both sides of the fence. I think Congress, they're fed up with Congress. Nothing seems to be done. We have the debt. Uh, we got the border. Uh, it's just so much going on. You got the media. uh pushing a lot of issues. I'm not blaming the media now. I'm not the type of guy, and I've been with Trump when he took care of a few media people. What'd you think of that? Well, hey, he's got the guts to tell it like it is. Well, he I don't know if I would uh, say something bad about you. If you said something bad about me, I don't think I would do it. I'd twist it around and make you look like a nice guy. Right. If you blasted me right now. So like so like he got he, he banned the Washington Post, banned us from time to time, reinstated us, depending on the article, banned the Washington Post. That's not something you would do. That's not something you've done here, right? Have you ever banned any media from any events or anything like that? Why would I bite the hand that feeds me? <laughs> 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 right. What are you laughing at? Because there I cause I got it out of you. What? <laughs> I wrestled you to the ground. It didn't take you long. No, to get it, it took me like 45 minutes. No, I'm, I'm No, you didn't. I just answered that. I'm, jo I'm joking. I'm joking. Huh? <laughs> no, but, well, but explain to me what you mean by that. Well, you know, <laughs> look at me. Uh, I, I did some controversial things. Right. I don't have the money to put out brochures every day. Now, I can only visit so many people. Right. Now, I don't visit everybody in, in the United States. I can. Right. I do make some trips here and there. But I'm well known. Yeah. Now, how do they know me? I don't go right. every day. I'm not in New York because they know me through the media. Right. And a lot of it is controversial. Okay? But that's the media. I don't because do it you for get, the media. Because people, because you know, it's, it's because you know that it's a, a two-way street. You, you provide people... It's, you said it yourself. That's why I'm here. For example, I have a gut feeling, okay? And on my birthday, yeah. and this it's really interesting, this did not make much news. And I know that Orlando, what's sad happened, but right. this ties into what I'm going to tell you. Yeah. 
how I do my gut feelings. I don't go, I don't have all these advisors, political advisors. I don't even talk to them. Right. Because I'm not a slave to a campaign manager. Right. And Trump isn't either. Actually, we're on that path together, too. Hello. Huh? Yes. So I put something out on the Friday, three days before my birthday. And I said that I will celebrate my birthday in the jail, specifically the tent city. Mm -hmm. I am going to put flags on every inmate's uniform that the uh, veterans that I treat differently in jail instead of uh, vegetarian, uh, on my birthday I spend time with them, feed them hot dogs and beans, mm -hmm. and they will issue the, the flags right. in the new uniforms. I mentioned Newt Gingrich, threw him in there and right. showed his video for the whole world to see because in 1996, I met him a couple times and I played his Reinventing America uh, into all the inmates and called it torture. <laughs> and I put that, I put that at the whole world to see. I right. can go on and on right. what I did. Right. And, te and on my birthday, I was going to spend my birthday again in the jail in patriotism. Right. Because I make them sing God Bless America, sign up 50,000 for the for the selected service. Right. I can go on and on. Right, right. Okay, here comes Orlando. So I'm. this is yeah. a couple of days before my birthday. I'm yeah. supposed to do this. And my gut is telling me, uh-oh, I don't think I should do it. Right. My gut feeling. Right. So I postpone it. Right. So I didn't do it on my birthday. So... Why didn't I do it? My gut just told me, because the subheading was, I'm celebrating my birthday. Yourself. Yeah. About yourself. So it became a little personal that I'm going to be in the tent with all the political, you know, right. because it's flag day. It's right. My, my day. Right. And it's army day, too. Right. I joined the army. But I looked at, wait a minute, I'm going to do that. It could be taken the wrong way, you know. Not that it would make a difference, but my gut just told me it's not the right thing to do when you got 50 people that were killed, and here I am celebrating my birthday but try, you in know, the jail. So I, I squashed it, and I put press releases out. Nobody talked about it. Now, I'm sure they would have showed up locally. Uh, you and, know. and, you know, Trump took a lot of heat, and I wrote a story about it. Trump took a lot of heat for saying, I told you so, uh, in, in tweets on that day. Uh, seems to me like, well, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but would you have maybe not necessarily gone down that route? You mean on the uh, on ISIS? The, yeah, on the uh, saying that, uh, thank you for, what What did he say? Uh, acknowledging the congrats, I think was the word that he used, that people, he put out this tweet that said, people have, I acknowledge the fact that you have given me congrats for having predicted this was going to happen. Maybe that wasn't the best time to say it. I don't know. You know, he's running for president. He speaks off the cuff. Uh, I'm sure that uh, he's taken so much heat. Sometimes when something good or happens, he takes credit for it. What's wrong with that? He's a politician. You got Hillary talking about guns. So what about her using uh, this situation and the president? All he talks about is guns all the time. We have a rampage. He, he doesn't talk about, well, they took away my tank and my helicopter. And personally, uh, it didn't come from Obama, but very high up when I had this military equipment. And then they use that to uh, 
uh, on the uh, on the situation, the SWAT team using uh, military type equipment. So you know when you're when you're around so long, you can not, you can put those dots together anytime you want. That, I can put a lot of dots together that people really have and I can prove it that they have a target on your back. You know a lot of dots. You know that. So he. You know, what do you want him to say? But, you know, Hillary should be careful. The only problem with Hillary and Jane, you know, I had the wife in. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. In the tent. Sanders accused you yeah. of ambushing her. Yeah, yeah, okay. I ambushed my own jail. I guess I can't go in my own jail. So, uh, but what burned me up, both of them, they can't even pronounce my name right. They're reading the teleprompter. Oh, Sheriff Arpaio. It's not Arpaio. It's Arpaio. <laughs> So get the What are you laughing at? Because I made the same mistake. I corrected myself. I know. You, I, corrected but I, myself. I, I didn't hear you because I knew you were going to correct I it. corrected myself. I'm sorry. You, you know you know about Italians. I know about Italians. So, uh, so, you know, so all this politics, politics, politics. But you got to have it. This is a great country, the greatest in the world. Uh, two, two other quick questions to let you go. I, I'm sure you got other I things have to all, do your birthday. It's a great day to spend this day. You notice I'm talking about pass i know you're not playing this that's true I'm but no we're, we're not we're not we're, we're no, not I'm trying to make believe uh, it isn't yeah. no it's an important day yeah. um so in terms of the orlando thing um uh, trump has proposed the 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 temporary ban on muslims do you think that that when you look at you've had to investigate these shootings do you think that this is a shooting that's related to sort of immigration in any way the orlando thing you know you bring up a good question and uh, I'm glad you mentioned immigration, but you're talking about a different immigration. Why is it? Now, we don't know what this guy's motive was. Right. Whether it's the gays, ISIS. There's one other that nobody's talking about. Mm. Everybody there happened to be Latino. Why? And it's, because that was a night for yeah. Latino right. Cuba. Yeah, yeah. You know, see the names? Yeah. Why didn't anybody ever think of, does this guy have it in for Hispanic? Why doesn't anybody think of that? I mean, is it possible he didn't like it? Come on. You're saying it may be gay, maybe the ISIS. What about Hispanics? Why isn't anybody, why hasn't the news media even asked that question? My sense is because the investigators haven't told him that. What? Do you need someone to tell them that? Did they tell him the motive why? They didn't tell the motive why he went in there. Well, they've they're had thinking to, it's uh, terrorism. They're thinking it's the gays. Well, they, the terrorism stuff is buttressed by the fact that he made the 911 yeah, okay. call. And the gay thing, there's a ton of reporting today that's, I mean, the suggestion is that the guy okay. was, was habituating the gay bar because he was probably mm -hmm. gay, but he made all these terrible statements about gay folks. I don't think there's a lot out there about him talking about Latinos, but your gut feeling is that this is related to that as well, perhaps, right? It could be. Because there is talk around the nation. There's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, people that don't like Hispanics. Is that a secret? No. I mean, I got people demonstrating. I had Sharpton lead 10,000 people against me. Yeah. I, you know, I'm the most guy, the guy probably more than anybody, including Trump. Yeah. That's been demonstrated against all over the country. I was on O'Brien and uh, yeah. Colbert in New York City. I've had demonstrators out there in the in the rain demonstrating. Like everywhere I go, they demonstrate. But you think, but you think that the but the animosity towards Latinos is so that you've experienced is so extreme that it could be a motive in this case. I don't know. It's just common sense when you see a whole uh, nightclub with Hispanics because that was their night. I think they were. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. 
But they they come up with all these theories with this guy. How can they even throw that in there? I would think about it with all the so-called prejudice in our country against Hispanics or Latinos. Why wouldn't someone think about that with this guy? I don't know. They don't know the whole story with this guy. It takes time to really find out. Right. Um, but do you, do you agree with uh, Trump's immigration policy in terms of the, the ban on the, on the Muslims in general? I think he's talking, uh, even governors uh, have gone on that one, uh, uh, you know, temporarily. He's just frustrated. He's frustrated at the border. Everything seems to be, even with the ISIS thing, it, it dovetails back to immigration. So we do have a problem with the uh, border and with uh, uh, immigra- illegal immigration. Illegal, let's get that straight. You know, I'm all, I, I love people that come from another country. I love talking to them. Jeez, I'm, I'm the first guy I love to talk to. I just talk to is, the Pakistan. I got to tell you something. That is uh, an interesting element about you that I don't think people who have sat across from you would really understand. I, I know people. I'm from your part of the world. I know people who are like you, right? I mean, you have a certain reputation mm-hmm. that's sort of bigger than, bigger than who you are as a person, right, to some extent. Do you feel... Um, to some extent that, that that your willingness to court controversy has uh, has put you in that position where people don't really know who you are because they there's like an image of jo- of Jorapayo versus who he actually is. You know, you're right. And uh, I, I hate to yeah. commend you, but you're, you're very intelligent. And thank you for asking me those questions because those are good questions. Thank you for doing that. And I'm going to give you the answer. Yeah. Uh, it's a catch-22 for me. Yeah, I have my persona with the media again. Here we go right. with the media. Right, right. I don't do it purposely. Uh, I just talk and I say what I feel. Uh, and yet, I'm a nice guy. I've been married 59 years. And uh, Donald Trump, when I told him, when we were filming uh, Hannity downtown right here, yep. tape, and I told him my wife is very sick. And he picks up the phone, calls my wife for six minutes, talks to my wife. And then he does it again when he was here again right. and talks to my wife, does it again. And he even said, I'll pick you up in my jet and I'll fly you to New York. He would do that in one minute. One minute. You well, think any other presidential candidate I have endorsed and can't? No, they wouldn't even talk to you. Well, let me let me ask that. I mean, that's that is true. Um, but let me ask you something. I'm going to flip it back on you. Don't you think to some, you're 84 years old? It's a day of reflection, right? You've had 84 of these, mm-hmm. and it's also a very important day with respect to your mother. When you reflect back on this stuff, don't you think maybe you had something to do with it? Maybe your uh, shoot from the hip style, the fact that you were like, damn the torpedoes, God damn it, I'm going to say what I want. Your phone rings my way, right? Don't you think to some extent that that contributed to the fact that people don't really know who you are? I think they know me uh, a lot of bluster, uh, but uh, I think they don't know me that well personally, and I've met with uh, activist groups. Yeah. I'll meet with anybody. They can. Uh, Sharpton sat here my other office here. He sat down after he led all those people against me. I says, come on up to my office. Let's get together. I didn't know what I got to ask him for a beer. I I don't know if Reverend's (laughs) drink or not. So we sat down for a half hour. I think he has a whiskey and a cigar. We had a half hour we sat. Yeah, yeah. 
and I kind of respect the guy. Yeah. Then we went out CNN. Right. Right after that, bang, bang, I'll tell you, it was like a war. But behind the scenes, I love negotiating. That's why when Trump says, let's make a deal. Yeah. What's wrong with making a deal? What's wrong with going in the back room like the old days, light up a stogie, Italian cigar? Right. I'm aware. And make a deal. Is there anything wrong with negotiating? Why is that a bad word when he says, let's make a deal? That's how you do things. You make deals in business and in government if you're smart. I made my deals in Mexico City. I mean, I came out okay. You're not going to give away the right. store, but at least you can talk to people. Why can't you talk? Once I can talk to people, I switch them over on my side. I don't care who they are, but how do you get to talk to them? How do you get to talk? Well, to a lot of people, and this is where I'm going to, I'll end this because I've taken a lot of your time. And uh, here's I a question that may earn, me, may earn me a, a night in the uh, in the tent city eating the vegetarian, not the uh, hot dog meal, because uh, I'm not a veteran. The um, um, But there are people who think you're a racist. Well, you know, when they can't get you for anything else, it's a famous word, racist. Right. You think it bothers me? It doesn't really bother me. I know my heart what I am. So they can call me anything they want. You don't feel that you have an ounce of prejudice in you in terms of no. race or ethnicity? No, none. Really? Probably one guy that, that really doesn't. You know, and I'm not going to say my best friend, I'm yeah, yeah, black. Yeah. You know how that goes. Oh, yeah. no, no, no. And even my family, I have a black and I have Mexican. I got all these family. So, but that, I'm not going to say that. I guess you could still have that and say you're a race, you know. But, um, no. I know what I am. But you've, I mean, you've said things, you know, back, back when you were enforcing the Arizona law. I've, I remember the quote. I don't, I, I don't remember the exact timing of it, but you said, I'll, I'll lock up three or 400 of them for spite as kind of a blustery statement. Well, you do understand when you say stuff like that how people interpret it. Well, I think it was in spite of the, uh, the uh, I don't remember what that was, but in spite of the controversy, uh, the demonstrations, uh, and the pressure, the politics, so you're the your media, uh, and I know I was right working uh, under the federal training and authority. Uh, so I'm not going to back. What I was really saying, I'm not backing down. I don't back down. The only the question is probably on um, when you say I'm 84 years yeah. old. The big question would be I'm not asking you. You're interviewing me. Yeah. So I'm going to ask myself yeah. if you don't mind. Yeah. Sheriff, why are you doing this again? Come on. You're 84 years old. 55 years in law enforcement. Been married 59 years. Your wife isn't healthy like right. throughout the years. You got all this heat. Coming from all directions. Why do you keep running for sure? Well, I, I, actually, I lied. There is one last question. And that is one of the things, and again, you and Trump bonded a bit on the birth certificate thing. Uh, Trump said, uh, was it today or yesterday? I'm, I'm, he's, say, he's speaking a lot lately. It's hard to keep track, right? He said... Uh, he was talking about Obama refusing to talk about Islamic extremism, and he says there's something going on there, and he was implying, I don't know what he was implying. Do you think, do you agree with him that there's something, do you still believe that there's something unusual about Obama? Do you still think he wasn't, do you still suspect he wasn't born in this country? I mean, give me your assessment of what you think Obama is. First of all, yeah. and I bring this out because when uh, Cruz 
uh, was running. Yep. Someone said that he was not a... Canadian. He was a Canadian, Canadian. not a U.S. Right. And I got calls from major newspapers. Right. Oh, sure. If you're going after Obama right. about where he was born, are you going after Cruz? Right. And you know what my answer was? I never went after Obama as to where his, he was born. I could care less where he was born. From day one, when I had my press conference, and I did two, and the media went after me instead of looking at all the evidence. I said, I just want to know if there's a fake birth certificate, a fraudulent document. That's all I'm looking at. I don't care where he's from. But what's at the bottom the of that? birth certificate. But what's at the bottom of that? You're, you're the sheriff of Maricopa County. He, was, he has no connection to Maricopa yes, County. Yes, he does, because that would have made a lot of things void here of people voting if he wasn't here legitimately or had a fake birth certificate. It would affect here. Right. I accounted for the voters and the voting process. Yeah, there was a connection. That's why I did it. And the Tea Party came in and said, you're our last resort. And since I'm elected and I, and I do what people want me to do, I right. opened up the investigation and I stick with it and I know the real truth and I'm not done with it yet. What are you going to do? What's next? I'm not done with the final, final results. Now, I don't even talk to Trump about this. Right. I have never talked to him about this. The only thing I did when I, in July, I kind of mentioned a birth certificate. Right. And that's where I got a lot of publicity. I don't even know if he liked me doing that. Right. But he didn't say don't do it. He didn't even tell me what to say. I could say anything. Right. So that's the situation with but the you birth intend to keep on, But you intending to keep on doing what you're going to do. I got a couple loose ends. If I'm successful, then I will go public on it. What do you think the ultimate story is, though? This is all very, you have to forgive me. I know you're, uh, but like. The ultimate story is if he had a birth certificate, uh, why doesn't he show it? The real one. Well, if he has one. This is a fake. You think if you had a fake government document, what would happen to you? There's all kinds of people who have verified it. Uh, oh, really? There are. Okay. He's, he's gotten verification from all sorts of folks. He po he's posted it on the, uh, a lot of people, including he, a lot of Republicans, think it's a red herring. There's a great. Uh, you he, don't think this, he, this cause has been the discredited? The certificate, certificate he published out is a fake. And, and let me tell you, yeah. I'm not a computer guy. Yeah. I'm my Smith Corona. I wouldn't right. know nothing about computer. Right. Anybody looking at that will tell you right off the bat it's a fake anyway. Right. So. But nobody wants to talk about it. And, and I have to blame the press. I hate to do it. They have, they have covered up on this. They don't know all the facts. And in, in Hawaii, I sent guys down to Hawaii. I know a little more than just a fake document. But, you know, I'm just that type of guy. I, I just can't surrender. I can't start something and then surrender because of political reasons. Uh, you know, I just don't do that. And that goes back to me why I, I keep running. Uh, when I should probably take it easy, even though I have no hobbies, and enjoy the rest of my life. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to surrender. The more they go after me, I have to fight. And that's it. There's no other reason. Because I'll tell you, the day I leave, you won't know how to pronounce my name. You could care less about me. And I should be dead and buried because there's not one media that will come and remember who Joe Arpaio is. That's the way it is in politics. So I don't do it for that reason because I know. Nobody could care about me anyway. And uh, so why am I doing this? Everybody's going to forget me. What am I doing it for? It's an ethical thing that I, w I grew up with from an Italian family. I was taught to work hard. 
and, and to be honest, and that's what I try to do. So that's it. And uh, I'm well, not like Trump. I don't have the millions and millions of dollars, but still, on the other hand, he's a regular guy. And who knows more than me when I had to associate with rich people like Mitt Romney and travel with him. Boy, you think of, there's a difference? Travel with him than Trump? What is the difference? Big difference. Let's just say very simple. Trump is a regular guy, regardless of his millions of dollars. You Let's did not, put it that you, and way, you did okay? not, you didn't exactly hit it off with Mitt Romney, I would guess. Well, he really uh, wanted my support the first time. The second time, it was kind of lukewarm. I'm sure some people may have bad mouthed me, so he called me along with the other seven. But it wasn't as strong like the first time. I need you, right? Okay. So, so is this, this is going to be, 2016 will be your last hurrah, or will no. you run again in 2020? Come on. You see me? <laughs> so, I, uh, you know, uh, you're too young to go back to TV, uh, you know, like uh, Ironside. I remember Raymond Ironside. Raymond Burr. They're going to they're wheel great, you in. He and... had that great wheelchair. I'll get one. I got a 50 caliber machine gun, Hillary. I'm the only law enforcement agency that has a 50 caliber machine gun. You gonna try to take that one away too, and I'll put that on my wheelchair. Well, if you can figure out a way to keep it balanced from tipping over with a fifty cal, then you deserve everything you got, <laughs> Sheriff uh, Joe Arpaio. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you.